Hello and welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Langling. Welcome to part two of my chat with Dr. Phil Rosencrantz. He's the author of Letters from Uncle Dave, a World War II veteran story, 73 years in the making. So I said, you know, someday I'm going to write a book. And uh, but my idea was when his, you know, when he came home and was buried at Riverside National Cemetery, he already had four brothers buried there, three oh. that were in the war, and my father, who was in the occupation forces. And so the, I wanted to see all five Rosencrantz brothers together, and then I would write a book. That's what happened. I was actually finishing up what was going to be my first book about something else. And though I had to drop that like a hot potato. <laughs> and I immediately started working on the book. I had some help from people as, you know, people that would read it and give me ideas. I had a wonderful developmental editor that helped me, my copy editor and others uh, that read it. You know, the, there's so many God things that happened in this book. One of them was, I said, you know what? One of my best friends in high school, he went to West Point. He was in the army, had a career, retired. I mean, I have his contact information. So I contacted him and I said, Stan, I'm writing this book. Would you read it and give me your what you think about it? And he said, oh, I'd love to. So I get a call back from him the next day. And he says, oh, Phil, he says, your book is great. This is really neat. And um, and so then the next day he called me back and he said, Phil, he says, I feel stupid. He said, um, my roommate at West Point ended up being the historian of the army. So you mind if I contact him? and see if he would read the book. <laughs> sure. So, and he calls, he, he writes back, he says, oh, this is great. He's everybody should read this. He says, this is how we need to remember our veterans. And so I, I ended up using his quotes in for, for publicity for my book from the historian of, for, he was a historian of the army for eight years. Wow. So things happen like that. I had, a, I had a lot of stuff like that happen. And, and as I said earlier, I, I mean, everything fell into, into yeah. place exactly as it was meant to. So obviously you were meant to have, it was you personally were meant to get this book out into the world to, to share your uncle's story. So you said a couple seconds ago or a minute ago there that there were five Rosencrantz brothers who perished mm -hmm. in World War II. You said that he was one of 11. There were 11 children and that's a, a huge part of the story, you know, with your, the theme of your podcast, um, uh, there's a lot of things in the book that I think would be of interest. But one thing I want to mention is there were 11 children. The first one was my Aunt Hannah, and she died in 1918 during the Spanish flu uh, pandemic. So here's my grandmother. She's lost her firstborn and her and a daughter. Then she had five boys. Then she had another girl, and her name was Frida. And Frida got married young, had a, had a boy, baby boy, got divorced. And in 1942, when she was 24 years old, she got hit by a car and killed. Oh, my. So here's my poor grandmother has lost two of her three daughters <laughs> to unnatural causes. And then she has, in 40, 1943, she's got four of her 
sons, four of her eight sons are in the service. And one of her other sons, my Uncle Max, was a wonderful man. He lost an eye in an industrial accident in 1943. And so here's my grandmother with all of this, you know, stuff going on. And then when they get the word in 44 that my Uncle David is, they said, well, he's missing, but with the word is he's dead, but we have no, no details at all. Well, she couldn't handle that. So she refused yeah. to believe it. That's, that's part of the book. That's why. Amazing tragedies that she mm -hmm. went through. And then from, yeah. from, from the get-go, losing her daughter in 1918, that was in the middle of World War One. Yeah, right. Uh, that's right. The, the so pandemic. She, very, she very well yeah. may have had family members of her own that were serving during that time. That's another story. My grandmother was a, a Russian Jewish immigrant. She came over as a teenager on a passenger ship from Poland in 1902. And she's from an area that was suffering from a lot of Russian persecution. And my grandfather was from the same town in Poland, but they didn't know each other until they met in New York City. They had two children, got married, had two children. Then they moved to Los Angeles and had nine more. So she had come from that persecuted culture that was going on in Poland uh, at the time. It was Russia at the time. Now it's Poland. Maya, and, that's oh, interesting that you yeah. said that because I'm Polish. And my family came over in 1905 from Poland oh, okay. um, to have a better life and get away from the persecution. Okay. Wow. We didn't know we had that connection, did no, we? No, no. Uh, so, yeah, that's very interesting. Very interesting. My, I, sister, I, my yeah. sister had visited um, New York City once, and she went to... Uh, Oh my gosh, I've completely blanked out. You know, we're all the were they Ellis all? Island. Ellis Island, yes. I was going to say Staten, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> I blanked out. So she went to Ellis Island and um, found their names when they came over. Yeah. You know, she took pictures of it and stuff. But yeah, they came over in 1905 from Poland. So what what I know has to be true is that a lot of the Rosencrantzes and in my grandmother's side of the family, that, that side, a lot of those people didn't come over to the United States. And, you know, half of the Jews that were killed in World War II were Poles. Yes. Uh, especially from the area they were from. So uh, I, I can find lists of Holocaust victims that include a lot of the last name Rosencrantz. But I, I haven't been able to make the direct connection yet. Uh, to Is that a common name at that time, Rosencrantz? Wasn't that a common name? It was sort of common, not. Uh, and the, the other part, part of it is there's so many different spellings of it. But from what I know, that's the spelling I have is the same spelling they had. They didn't change the spelling anywhere. Okay. But I haven't made the, uh, the direct connection yet. But. I hope to someday. That's amazing stuff. I, I've often thought I would love to. Well, I did uh, like, you know, the 
um, those genealogy type things, those online things that you can get on and see, you know, where your family tree and all of that. And I did a DNA test and all kinds of stuff because I wanted to yeah. see. I was always told I was Polish on my dad's side and Scotch-Irish on my mom's side. Well, it turns out I've got a bit of Jewish in me. And okay. so I'm like, well, that's from the Polish side then. And I was not able to find anything because I believe, just like you said, not the whole family came to America. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they couldn't afford it. Maybe they couldn't get papers to do it because I'm sure that that was a very harrowing time to try and get out and it would probably cost a lot of money to get papers and get on board a ship to get, to get over here. Um, and I've not been able to find any, any uh, line to follow. And I believe it might be because they, they perished. They were killed. So it was, it's, you know, it's very, I don't think we as people here being born in America and privileged, and we are, no matter how you look at it, we are very privileged. We're blessed. Yes. Incredibly blessed that, you know, you look back to what your family members, you know, several generations ago, what they went through just to survive and how they were persecuted simply because of their religious beliefs or what people thought was the better race, the better human race. I've never understood that mindset, but to look back and think what they went through and here we are, here we are because of what they did. Yes. You know? It's, it's, it's almost too much to grasp at times because nowadays, or even, you know, in the last few decades, we as Americans, I don't see people doing that, laying everything down to make it better for their families, you know, to, to give up everything if they need to, including their lives, if they need to, to make those that come uh, after them to have, to have them have a better life. Yes. It's just, it's amazing to me, the sacrifices and what so many generations went through of our own family members. I don't think that we take the time to learn about them and what they went through and to respect and honor just what they, just what they gave. So we could be sitting here today, chit chatting on a zoom meeting, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I appreciate that so much more now having learned what happened because right. you know, people weren't talking about it. My grandmother on my mom's side, she would never talk about anything. My grandfather, uh, World War II veteran in the Navy, that's all he would say. I served in the Pacific. That was it. I served in the Pacific. One of my uncle's brothers, his, his brother Lonnie, was in the Navy from 1940 to 46. So he went in right before World War II and he stayed all the way through. And I grew up knowing him, uh, but he had PTSD and, you know, you could tell. And so, you know, he was always, you know, kind of shaky and quivered his lip a little. And uh, one time I said, hey, Uncle Lonnie, you were in the Navy, what'd you do? And he was out of the room so fast 
stumbling over stuff to get out of the room. And I, I wasn't expecting that. So I mentioned to my dad, who was the youngest of the 11 children. I said, Dad, I said, I asked Uncle Lonnie about being in the Navy. And boy, he couldn't get out of the room fast enough. And he said, oh, yeah. He said he, he was on a ship, uh, the USS Chicago, and it got sunk by, you know, Japanese dive bombers. And he got rescued from the ocean. And, uh, and so he, he has PTSD, he didn't call it PTSD, shell shock or whatever. Right. But he, yeah, he, he had terrible experience. So when I was researching the book, I sent away for my Uncle Lonnie's uh, file of what his service was, uh, which you can send away for if, you're, if you want. Anyway, I got an inch thick of stuff. And my sister was helping me go through it. She was helping me. And so she started researching what my Uncle Lonnie did. So I'm going to cut this short. He was in eight different major naval battles. And on top of that, after the war, he's on this ship called the Fanshawe Bay. And it ends up going to the Bikini Islands for the atomic testing that they did there. Wow. So he spent two or three weeks getting radiated. Ah. And he died at the age of 63 from Parkinson's disease. And my research says that they believe that radiation exposure can contribute to Parkinson's. Absolutely. Just like Agent Orange has for yeah. Vietnam vets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. So, well, I didn't know any of that until... That's amazing stuff. Yeah, there's a movie. There's a ago. movie attributed, I think, to that to those folks that with the the yeah. I can't remember the name of the movie, but I I remember when I saw the movie. I'm thinking I had no idea that these people because they were literally just putting on garbage bags and going in these places and getting radiated on purpose, you know, to they had to learn. But there was no protection, and I think not. You know, obviously not enough education back in those days on radiation and the effects it has, but I can't remember that movie, but it was a naval. It was about uh, naval folks on on a ship, and there was something. I, I can't. Oh, I wish I'm gonna have to look that up now. But that movie just blew me away because it was just yet another aspect that we had no idea about that those folks went through during World War II, and that, that's just right. what they sacrificed. You know, there's so much that we don't know. You know, from the men and women that served. Amazing stuff. Right. The code yeah. break, the code breakers, and oh, all those yeah. people behind this. Oh my gosh! You know, you could go on and on. And the more I dig into it, and the more I learn, I'm like, I am just in awe of that generation. Completely in awe of that generation because they blazed a trail. By golly. Yes, and just from a little side note, what some of the stuff I teach is a stuff that was invented during the war mathematical methods that were invented that we used to help us win the war by having better use of our you know if you can use your your raw materials and your equipment and your stuff better than the other guy it helps you win the war uh, yeah that was it's amazing the stuff that came mm -hmm. out of that war i had met um and this was just happenstance through work one day i i used to work um in healthcare, so i set up in-home services for 
citizens that needed help in the home. And I met a World War II veteran and he was uh, very, very educated, super smart. He was an engineer. Um, He, during World War II, was personally reprimanded by General Patton (laughs) for being a smart mouth one day. I went, really? I was just amazed by it. But he sat and shared with me that he came up with an easier way to do x-rays for those that were injured. And none of his commanding, the, the level of command would let him do it, but he would sneak off and do it anyway. And Patton was coming to do something on their base, some sort of, um, you know, there was some sort of parade thing and he was going to inspect all of the soldiers and all of that. And he asked this gentleman, just randomly asked him a question, and the gentleman answered him just as speaking to a normal person and not as speaking to the general (laughs) Patton of all people. So he got reprimanded, and then he went back, snuck out, and started working on this x-ray machine thing. And I don't know all the technicalities of it, but Patton found out about it, and what this gentleman came up with over there in the midst of all of this is what began something over here in this country and has expanded. So he was a, an, an integral part of how x-rays are done. And this was a man from my local area. And it wow. was because I asked him, you know, I said, how I, I noticed your hat you're wearing, you're a World War II veteran. Thank you so much for your service. And he said, Young lady, if you have time, do you feel like listening? And I said, I've got all the time in the world for you. Even though I, didn't, I had other appointments. Yeah. I quickly texted and canceled them. I sat and listened to this gentleman talk for two and a half hours as he shared his story. If I hadn't have done that, how would we know? This local gentleman here was integral in having our x-ray stuff that we use now all over the world. He invented part of it while he was over there. It's just amazing stuff. I am blown away by these people. They're just amazing. And and to hear your story and the, the size of your, your uncle's family, there's like five or six books in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there there was a lot of interesting things that some of uh, and so that's in my book, uh, a little biography of each family. Oh, good, good. See, I have to I definitely have to get the book. I was gonna ask, is do you mention his uh, other siblings, you said five brothers? <clears throat> there were five involved with World War II. Uh, then the three oldest ones were a little too old um, to go into World War II. And, and so they didn't, even though one, two of them tried, or one of them tried. But anyway, I mean, one of the brothers, uh, he worked at Universal Studios for 47 years. Uh, and so he was around, he was on the set he worked around actors and actresses. He was good. One of his best friends was Boris Karloff and things like that. And so one day I'm talking to my dad and he, and he said, yeah, he says, I met Boris Karloff. They said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then, uh, then when I had a chance to spend a couple of weekends with my uncle after he retired, because he lived out in the desert and he told me some really cool stories that uh, I put in the, I put some of them in the book. One of my uncles who ended up in the World War II in the Merchant Marine, before that, he had decided that he was going to go over to um, Spain and join up with the communists to help fight against Franco. 
a socialist dictator. And uh, so he went over there and he joined up and then he realized the communists weren't any better than the socialists. <laughs> and so he decided to desert. And so he did. And he told me some bizarre stories about how he got out of Spain through the underground. And so I was talking to him. This was about 2000. I was talking to him and he starts telling me the story about, you know, going over there and doing this and doing that. And he had told me a couple of stories that I didn't quite believe. But I told this story to my son and my son came back to me later. He says, Dad, he says, like, I did some research and I found that Uncle Lawrence, he was over there and I found records of what he did and how he deserted. <laughs> I said, oh, really? <laughs> you know, there's, and, and he did some other stuff that's in, in, the, uh, in the book. So uh, it was interesting. <clears throat> My father, he was, he was a wonderful man, wonderful man. He ran for, ran for office three times, never, <clears throat> he didn't win, but he ran. And he had reasons for doing it, you know, trying to help people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so there's, uh, it, it's an interesting thing. And so my cousins who have read the book, they're going, I, we didn't know about our family. Thank you so much for putting this together. You know, even my one cousin said, the one whose father worked for Universal Studios, she said, I never heard one, you know, one of the stories. She says, I never heard that story before. And I said, well, he told it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And yeah. thankfully, there are folks like you and myself who like to write and share veteran stories and have been doing that through interviews for years that that were able to, to do that. Because I truly believe that those, you know, the generations coming, they need to know the history, you know, and, and you look at things now and it seems like in, in some ways history is repeating itself and you're like, didn't, didn't we learn our lessons? Didn't we learn our lessons? Didn't we pay attention to history and learn our lesson so we could do things differently today? Maybe not everybody believes that, but I believe we really do need to learn from history so we don't repeat those same mistakes so we can leave a better world for our generations that are coming up behind us. You know, my daughter and her kids down the road. And I'm in awe of all of the veterans I met, and I'm sure that you've met an amazing amount just through this journey of yours, looking, you know, how it began looking you know looking into stuff for your uncle dave and that turned into something much more than you probably anticipated yeah where it took you and the people that you met i mean blessing after blessing after blessing you know how it all just kind of spider webbed out i just it's amazing you should uh i don't know there's there's many stories within your story you could you could have offshoot books of that one main book if you know if that was something that was in your heart to share there's yeah so much stuff wow amazing my developmental editor was telling me you've got a lifetime supply of blog posts here oh yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely i agree i agree you know started mm -hmm. his journey of looking for for remains at the age of 15. how else yeah. would we have known about that 
you know, unless you started digging. How else would you or your family have known that someone was out there searching for your loved one on your behalf and you didn't even know about it? Even know it? No. Amazing. So yeah. for your research and stuff now, where do you think, and with your book, uh, when was your book published too, by the way? I published it uh, almost a year ago. It was last September. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, last September. And I've been doing Zoom meetings uh, with all kinds of groups, Rotary Club, Kiwanis, veterans groups, uh, school-related, educational-related, retiree organizations, museums, libraries. So I'm, I'm, I've done do that for free. I just, you know, I have a slide presentation. I can customize it to any length. I'm going to another uh, 82nd Airborne 504 reunion next April. And because one of the one of the neat things is I've developed close relationships with a lot of other, uh, we call them crosser relatives, those that cross the river yeah. <laughs> at battle, call them crosser relatives. So it's nieces and nephews, sons and daughters and grandchildren. Um, and so we, we see these people when we go to these reunions and we've developed, you know, we have a website and we just yeah. have all kinds of. Uh, good friendships and uh, and we share about each you know what we learn from each other. That's been very rewarding. And then, of course, we have our Dutch friends. Mm -hmm. So there's I've mentioned Ben Overhand. Uh, the other major one was Frank Van Lunteren. Talk about this is another bizarre story. So I had just learned <clears throat> what happened to my uncle and made the website, but I hadn't gone much past that and I got a phone call from a veteran who had been in the 504 and I met him online but he lived near me and so we were had been exchanging email um, his name was Fred Baldino we called him Baldy and and he said Philly he says I've made friends with a young Dutchman he's about 20 years old 21 years old and I've invited him over here to the US, I'm gonna show them around, come out and have a good time. So I'm taking him to Yosemite, I'm going to here, we're doing that. He says, do you think you could do something with him? And you know, with him? I said, sure, I'll take him to Disneyland, of course. I go there all the time with my daughter. So, so he shows up at my house, he drops this young man off. We went over to Disneyland and I was having one of my former students sign us in. So we're sitting there waiting for her to show up. At that point in time, he didn't know that I was a relative of one of the 504 guys. And I didn't know he had anything at all to do with World War II. Well, so we just started talking and I said something and then he said something and then we were sitting there and we figured out we had this connection to Operation Market Garden. <laughs> This 21-year-old kid was the leading expert on Operation Market Garden. Oh, so that's how you met him. That's how I met him. <laughs> going to Disneyland. You didn't share that earlier. <laughs> I, know, I know. Wow. And so we that's another, that's, another, that's another God thing, putting another, yeah. you know, another step in the path there. So I went over there and... Uh, in 2004 and i met his family and they did we did some things together and 
and we've my wife connected with his family really well and and so we you know we're we're really good friends and so at the end of the book i have this lovely photograph of his whole family and the, the overhand family and my family all out to dinner to celebrate you know the closure of this whole all the chapters of the book and wow. uh, so i had to put put that picture in what and, a what a perfect what a perfect yeah. way to close out that book and these two guys okay frank and ben i would ask frank do you know ben and he says no i've heard of him okay then i asked ben i said do you know frank and he says yeah that guy pops up all over i don't I, i've never met him well, come to find out, there are these rivalries that happen in Dutch culture where people, you know, they don't share that much. And so we were at a one, or there was a reception we were at. It was a big reception, and they were both there. And I grabbed one of them and I said, okay, I want you to meet somebody. And I sat them both down together and I said, you two are the most knowledgeable people about Operation Mark and Garden. The two of you combined know more than anybody else, anybody else in the world. And I said, you need to meet. And I walked away. I never found out at the time. I never found out if they got to know each other or whatever. Well, the next time I went back five years later, Come to find out they were best friends ah and see part of the problem was uh and i think this is worth mentioning here you run into people that are interested in your story about you your veteran your book or whatever it is and there's different kinds of interest some of our are interested because they want to get something that they can use to make themselves look good you know, their own glory. Yeah. How could they even make money on? It? You know, how can they capitalize on? It? Right. But Ben and Frank are in it because they want to help us honor and memorialize and the sacrifices that were made. And so they resent when they meet somebody else, whether it's a Dutchman, a Brit or whoever it is, that is just trying to get some glory that turns them off and so they have a they have kind of a wall up and so when they found out they were both sincere and then they then they were able to uh, become really good friends there's a lot of things uh that i learned about uh, when you're looking for mias when you're doing ar archaeological or type work there's protocols and the right way to do it and there's hoops to jump through and some people don't do that and uh, and then it messes up the research and that drove these guys crazy because oh i i bet i bet <laughs> but anyway i I've, I've learned a lot from from this journey and uh, and i really enjoy sharing it so i'm happy to do it yeah and, that, is, that is awesome completely awesome i have loved every minute of our chat together. 
Um, and your book has been out for a year, but I still consider that a baby book, you know, yes. and um, when I share this, I will definitely be sharing um, about the book and encouraging folks to, you know, get themselves a copy. Yeah, I'm just, I'm amazed. And there, uh, gosh, we could probably talk for another three or four hours. Uh, between the two of us, we probably have all kinds of stories that we can share with each other about our journeys, you know, yeah. working with veterans and looking into history and stuff like that. So yeah, let's let's chat again sometime. I would I would okay. love to do that a few months down the road. I'm thinking November. Oh, of course. Yes, of course. Of course, November 11th. <laughs> I want to put I want to put together a special week leading up okay. to Veterans Day. All right. And I would love to if you're if you're open to that to have you I on yeah. for that week of special guests leading up to Veterans Day. I would love to participate. I'm, I'm honored. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Let Fear Bounce. It's just amazing conversation. Really look forward to talking to you again in a couple months. And thank you for everything that you've put in over the years to you initially started just to find out a story of one man. <laughs> and look what you came yeah. away with. Look what you have been able to amass and garner over all of those years. Wow. Wow. Good stuff. You are blessed. Well, thank you. I, I feel blessed and I, I really appreciate the time to share with you and your audience.